Execute. Life is 10% what you make it and 90% how you take it. My name is Rick Napier, the president and CEO of Real People USA LLC, located in California. And Real People USA, the podcast, is so excited today to have as a guest Heather Vernillo. Uh, she's running as an American First Republican for the Pinellas County Commission in District 4. Heather is a small business owner in Pinellas County and works as an advanced practice practitioner, otherwise a nurse practitioner, and she's the owner of Vernillo Health and Wellness in Palm Harbor. In her practice, Heather's focus is on affordable wellness solutions, and she collaborates with many area providers to coordinate care. Heather also performs independent disability rating exams for veterans and service-connected injuries and works with a, a company helping residents with access to outpatient addiction treatment. Uh, this is our second of three podcast episodes. What do you want voters to know in terms of why they should vote for you over career politician, Republican Dave Eggers? I think that people deserve a new voice for District 4. Um, not saying that Dave is failing the members of District 4, but he's had his eight years, and I think it's just time for some, some fresh meat to get into office, um, you know, under the mentorship of, you know, those who have had the position in the past. Um, but we really need to get this county back on you know, Pinellas first, America first agenda, that we are making sure that our taxpayers in District 4 are represented, um, you know, equitably at the table with the other six commissioners. And that decisions that are being voted upon are not being voted upon with St. Petersburg's, you know, mission in I, but Dunedin's and Safety Harbor and Aldemar's and Tarpon Springs and the cities that people don't even remember that are part of Pinellas County because we're, like I said before, we're the forgotten, you know, people up here. Um, when I go out, I go out almost every single night out into the community. Uh, I'm, I, as a small business owner, I patronize other small businesses because, you know, we're the backbone of America. And I ask people, what's your biggest concern as a taxpayer? Because that's what I want to be elected to represent. What are your concerns? Because I want to make sure that what I'm thinking as, as a resident is the same as what other people are thinking, because how can I represent you if I don't even know what you, what you think is a problem in our county? And every single person, 100% of the people that I talk to, their concern is the constant building and the roadways specifically talking about traffic and the amount of fatalities that we have in North Pinellas. I'm, I'm a solution-based person. I would love to say, this is how we need to fix it. But I don't have a solution because I don't have enough data. I, I want to see and make a decision based on true data of how to create a solution to fix the problem that we're having. I mean, the biggest problem with the building is, I mean, that's a simple one, stop building. Uh, why we don't cherish open land in Pinellas County is beyond me. I mean, when I moved here 10 years ago, I've seen the changes it's made just in 10 years. 
And then I hear the stories of people who have lived here for even for longer than that of how it was orange groves and how it was, you know, beautiful, like landscape and beautiful shorelines and, and the shore birds and the, and the parks and everything was so beautiful. And then all of a sudden it was housing division, housing division, condos, you know, and in real estate development. And when are, I feel like we're at a point where we can just say we're full and no more. Like I'm all for progress, but not when infrastructure and safety of residents are is not being considered first. And it's great to put more homes in and have more taxpayers, but do we have enough police and fire for them? Do we have a sewer system that can handle another set of condos in North Pinellas? And we have roadways that are already rated F because of or F dot Federal Department of Transportation's rating. They give alternate 19 an f rating and how can we fix that because we can't make it a four-lane road we we would destroy small business to make it a bigger road so these are the concerns i have is that why are we building and not allowing for resources to cover that building it's like we just care about the real estate and the money and the tax and getting the tax revenue and we don't care about the people who already live here Mm Yeah, I know another uh, subject you talked about was uh, the heavy taxes that were starting to be levied against uh, Pinellas County residents. Do you want to talk about that for a, mo- for a moment? Um, well, I mean, the millage rate is going up. I mean, it has went up. I and mean, we get if you are a homeowner in um, Pinellas, you get from the tax office, you get your your breakdown of where all your money is going, you know, school board, you know, fire, safety, all that kind of stuff. Um, so inflation, you know, Biden's, you know, inflation. We get that everything costs more. People, salaries need to go up. We need to increase our, co- you know, cost of living goes up. We need to, you know, make our employees of the county, we have to raise their wages too. You know, that's just, you know, just how it goes. And unfortunately, the only way around that to make the money is to raise the taxes. But when there's redundant spending and there's special interest projects that are taking up a core amount of your budget, maybe it's time for the seven commissioners to sit down and go, instead of raising the millage rate, where can we move money around that makes the most sense to the taxpayers? Instead of asking them to open up their purses for even more money, do we really need this program? Or can this program funding that has a surplus, can we move it you know, legally, you know, logistically, can things be moved? Um, we have the Penny for Pinellas project, um, which is the 1% um, sales tax. So that offsets the cost for a lot of projects and doesn't come out of the taxpayer's pocket per se. I mean, it does in the realm of sales tax, but the tourists that come, you know, do assist with that. And it's been in effect since like the early 90s. This isn't new. Um, but it does fund the long-term capital infrastructure projects um, that support our community. But are we using that money wisely? Like, those are my questions to the current county commission, is are we using that penny for panels and preserving our environment? Are we preserving our open land? Are we making our county safe, secure? Are we looking at surface water and flood mitigation and sewage spill-off, and are we using that money so that we don't have to raise the millage rate on our consu- like on our constituents. And I feel that we're not doing the best job that we could probably do. And maybe a new set of eyes, um, you know, District 2 also is up for election. 
um, maybe of District 2, which overlaps with four, uh, you know, if myself and um, another candidate that's running get elected, that's two brand new eyes on, just, you know, North Pinellas' interests. And the other person that's running in District 2 has already served um, in a county or a city level as a fire commissioner. So I feel that she's already has that, that budgeting experience under her belt that she could bring, you know, a lot of good views and good opinions into how to make District 4 and North Pinellas in general, you know, one of the best places in Pinellas County to live. Yeah, I read her bio. She's uh, very impressive. I can't recall her name right now, but uh, yes. It's Debbie Bushman. Yes, she is. She was very impressive. I saw her video, and I hope she wins. I really do. I hope she wins uh, a commission seat. Um, but you're talking about, we were talking about taxes, and I just want to let people know, there's an article uh, by floridatrend.com, and it doesn't have a date on it, but it says... Florida Chief Financial Officer Jimmy Petronas has announced the appointment of Pinellas County Commissioner Dave Eggers to the Florida Healthy Kids Corporation Board of Directors. Florida Healthy Kids Corporation is a nonprofit public-private partnership created by the Florida Legislature to expand access to affordable child-centered health insurance. Again, coming from California, I've seen how this movie plays out. Um, so you're, when you're talking about taxes, where do you think the money's gonna come from to fund this, this Florida Healthy Kids uh, program? It's gonna come from the taxpayer. But the, the well, real issue is this, go ahead. No, it's the Medicaid, Medicaid funding or Medicaid as a program um, starts at the federal level and the money's just, distribute it to the state and then from the state it goes to the different counties um, health departments and I, I mean I, I stand firm on my opinion of preventative care costs less money than tertiary care mm-hmm. so children's access to affordable health is it's paramount and not just as a Pinellas County you know as, as a state and as a, as a country we need to make sure that our children are healthy and whether it's primary care of for medical or for mental health, it, we need those programs. So they need to find ways to make sure that they are funded appropriately and that there aren't incentives of people getting any backroom deals from that money. Exactly. That's where I was going with it because the program itself is fine. But like I said, I've seen this movie play out, Heather, and the public private partnership thing is the, is the thing I want to focus on. So I just want to read something so that your listeners will know what public-private partnership is all about. So um, I'll just, this is from the Cato Institute, cato.org, and the, the title of the article is called uh, uh, the blog, Good, Bad, Public, Private Partnerships. And and this article is dated January 10th, 2018. Now, the reason why I know about public-private partnerships is because here in California, these public-private partnerships sound great when they start. But what happens over time, the public part or the power that the the public sector or the government has starts overwhelming the private sector entity. And uh, so the, the the public government starts telling the private sector what to do 
And like you said, um, this article, if people will, will read it, and I'll put it on the, the blog description, there's two types of public-private partnerships, and one is called um, demand risk, and the other one is called uh, availability payment. And just to simplify it, it's the second one that's bad. The second one basically works like this. And I want all your, your listeners to know this. It's like they'll come up with some number of what it's going to cost to to do this particular public-private partnership. And then they'll say, oh, my gosh, we need more money. <laughs> and, and, right. and the taxpayers are on the hook. So that's all I'll say about it because it's a pretty complex uh, subject. But I will put the article in the pod, podcast description so people can read and learn more about public-private partnerships because they eventually end up hurting the residents and hurting the uh, the American people because uh, it's like a it's like a power grab by the government to take over the private industry. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, yes, I do agree with you. The uh, ch- the programs to help kids, um, you know, stay healthy are are way better than having them end up in the ER or some type of uh, surgery or something. I used to work in the healthcare industry myself. So uh, let's see one other question. Um, so what do you think about what do you think about these uh, uh, um, these these uh, partnerships where, where 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 public sector workers somehow find their uh, they find relationships with with different companies and all of a sudden there's this there's this marriage between the public sector servant and the corporation and how do, you, how, do you, how do you feel about those relationships? Well, if you look at even some of our federal, uh, you know, Congress who enter their their political career, you know, with $55,000 and then leave office, you know, a multimillionaire, you kind of have to scratch your head and go, all right, so I know what the salary is. So how, how did your net worth you know, change so dramatically. And, and this isn't even talking about Pinellas County, it's talking about politics in general. Um, but even on the county level, it's anybody who has a special interest in a particular entity, a particular business industry, really should recu- recuse themselves from making decisions about those things and not bringing on or putting something out to bid where a family member is the one who's going to benefit from that. And mm-hmm. I mean we see we see that happen all the time. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it doesn't happen or it does happen. I'm not gonna give examples of things that I think are happening because, you know, it's it's all comes down to like a he said, she said thing. But we do know it's happening. And that's not something that I would stand for if as a county commissioner. I Somebody was like, oh, my cousin can, you know, company can come in and do X, Y, Z. I'd be like, no, no, that's not, that's not how it works. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I do like, I mean, I know a lot of people are not aware that um, our budget is $2.9 billion. Uh, I think that that's just something that needs to be put out there just so that everybody knows that Pinellas County has a $2.9 billion budget. Um, but we do also have one of the lowest per capita debt of, of Florida County. So, I mean, we're not, no one's, no one is coming out and saying, oh, this County Commission isn't doing 
what they need to do. I think they're doing a really good job. Um, we did have a decrease in the millage rate, I think, uh, you know, since 2007. Uh, but I think we can we can do better. We can always do better. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows everything. Nobody is perfect at anything. I think we can always do better by our taxpayers. And that's why I want to throw my name in and say, you know, here's me, average Joe Schmo American from North Pinellas. And, you know, I, I have something to say and I'm ready to say it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that you're talking about that, those term limits. Um, this is a subject of term limits and, you know, like you said, a lot of people, they come into public office and, you know, on the federal level, maybe it's like $175,000. I think they gave themselves a 21% pay raise recently. And then there in the county level, I think you said the commissioner makes like $100,000. And, uh, I think and, it's and the, 104, oh, $104,000. I believe so. I think it was, it was below 100000 and then it went up within the last like two years. Mm-hmm. And I know on the, on the federal level, because I know a few people that work in Congress and people who are running for Congress, and what they see and what they have said is they see all this money passing through their their offices on their desk. You know, four hundred billion for this. You know, seven hundred and fifty billion for this. And I can recall the the um, the contract. It was a a Solyndra. I'm not sure if people remember that name, but Solyndra was a company that was supposed to build solar panels in the California's Silicon Valley. And it was a contract that was almost, I think it was like $800 billion or $500 billion that uh, President Obama signed. And six months later, I, I recall driving down the interstate and I saw the Solyndra building. And that's S-O-L-E-N-D-R-A. It was a solar panel company. President Obama had just signed a $500 billion thing for them to make solar panels. And the parking lot was about this probably bigger than uh, I would say maybe eight football fields, like with NFL football fields, and all these cars. And guess what, Heather? Nine months later, it went out of business. <laughs> it went out of business. And the story was the rumor, the conspiracy theory was is the owner of the company pocketed all this money, knowing that the company could not compete with China. And uh, so. I mean, I could tell you story after story, but term limits, you know, it, it fixes that stuff because when a person knows that they're only going to be in office for four years or eight years, they are less likely to have all these agreements. And, and here's the last thing I'll say. When you're in office for all those years, you have signed contracts and made deals with people that you know you have to maintain. So you're less likely to leave office and have all the bodies resurface, like float to the top, so to speak, and people can see the dirt. But that's just my take on it. I mean, uh, I, I think you're on to something by uh, talking about uh, term limits there in Pinellas County, but it gets, it gets ugly. The longer these people stay in office, the more they have to hide and the more, uh, you, know, you know, taxpayers and residents of Pinellas County and, and, and citizens of the United States are at risk. So what do you, ha- do you have any closing comments or do you want to share anything else on this uh, podcast episode? Well, one of, one of the good things though about 
being an elected official is your life really becomes um, your private life is pretty much gone. Uh, once you're elected, you fill out a I'm like an affidavit almost of um, like a financial disclosure form. Mm-hmm. So you you know kind of what money people have and where it came from. And then if they get reelected, you can as a you know citizen, it's public information. So I tell everyone. When you're researching candidates and you're looking for people for re-election, pull those public disclosures and find out, you know, what they're what the person is worth financially because I think it makes a difference when they make decisions on things. Mm-hmm. Um, if they make a lot of money in real estate, of course, and they're going to sit on the committee for economic development, and of course they're going to vote on anything that allows for that particular industry to proliferate in this county. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's almost like, uh, you know, I, I, I have a, um, a lawn service. Like, I, I, you know, like, for instance, this person may have a lawn service. And, man, it would be great if my company handled all of the, you know, commercial or the government lawn uh, contracts. I mean, there's a lot of green grass in Pinellas County. And it needs to be mowed sometimes at least twice a week because grow, grass grows fast there on the Gulf Coast. I know that because I used to cut grass twice a week living in living in Brandon, Florida. I hated it because <laughs> it grows so fast because it rains so much. So any closing comments before we uh, take off and close this episode? Um, not nothing that I can really think of except, you know, just America first and government needs to be limited in its overreach into the private sector exactly so the website is vernillo for pinellas.com and i know you need petitions about uh, 2000 you have a few already but 2000 is what you need and there's also a fee to pay uh, if you decide to just pay the fee and of course you need donations and uh, we're asking people to go to heather's website Vernillo for Pinellas.com and uh, donate and register on her website with your name, your email address, your phone number, and your zip code. And uh, let's give Heather a shot. Uh, she's uh, letting and, people know she's up front. And there's one thing that I had saved that I wanted to read. Um, this comes from the Republican Liberty Caucus. Um, a lot of people are not familiar with them because they're more of a grassroots effort to restoring the republic back in our country. And um, when I joined the RLC, I made a a, a pledge, um, and I wanted to read that to sure. everyone on the podcast. Um, I pledge to the citizens of this state and to the American people that as their elected representative, I will work to restore liberty, not restrict it, shrink government, not expand it, reduce taxes, not raise them, abolish programs, not create them, promote the freedom and independence of citizens, not the interference of government in their lives, and observe the limited enumerated powers of our Constitution, not ignore them. And if anyone's interested in learning more about them, you can go to rlc.org and you can find out about their their movement to um, restore the public Republican Party back to its core principles of individual rights and free markets. Yes, and I think there are, are a lot of uh, Democrats I know here in California. As I keep mentioning, there are a lot of Democrats that have switched parties. 
from the Democrat Party that they love so much. And, and I had a lot of friends uh, that were Democrats in San Francisco where I used to work and live. And now some of these people have, uh, I'd say maybe the number's 20, 30% that have switched, maybe higher. So I think you're on to something and definitely thank you for reading that RLC uh, you know, sort of proclamation. I appreciate it. And uh, Heather's website again is, he is Bernillo for Hynelis.com. And uh, go to her website, donate, put your contact information in there. And Heather will be a guest again in a couple of days for the third podcast. Take care, Heather. Have a great day. All right, you too.